Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast. We are the best movie podcast of all time. We're here in the beautiful Bug Theater. Um, we are recording Film Explosion 1993 with only the two of us. When's that ever happened? I don't think it's ever happened, has it? Just two people on a film explosion, I think. Uh, maybe our Nebcast years ago? Oh, for sure. Nebcast, yeah, definitely. But Film Explosion? Uh, we create a list of our 10 favorite films of a specific year. Um, every year we do a retro film explosion, and we do four of them. We do 83, 93, 2003, and 2013. Are we doing 2013 this year? Yeah, because, uh, I mean... I mean, we've already done 2013 for our podcast. Yes, but we also did 2012 again last year. Yeah. And I was just wondering when you, we were going to stop doing that. I didn't know. Uh, probably once through is fine. I don't know. Maybe because, yeah. Like, are we just going to keep on to, redoing them over and over again? I don't think we'll do the retro ones over and over again, but maybe 10 years from now, you know, we do 2021 again to see sure. how our tastes have changed. But sure. I think we're good on the retro ones. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Um, and we mostly repeat them to get the other nerds into it. But as you can see today. Yeah, it's just you and I. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I was going through my Facebook memories and James posted one 10 years ago about our 100th episode. And here we are. I mean, numbered episode, we've done 586. Technically, we've done hundreds more. Um, we have tons of interviews and tons of film explosions or random stuff. So there's always something really go to our website and I'd hardly ever pimp us out on our website, but you should go to our website and you can see tons of articles all of our interviews, um, all our podcasts, because we have a lot of them. We have, you have so much free content from us, and all we are is givers. Yeah. That's why we're popular with the ladies. We know how important it is for people to uh, get movie-related content um, over 10 years. Like, yes. you, you don't stop that. You, no, keep, you keep it coming. What I, what I always give you props for... Um, and myself, because we're the ones who are always here, um, is we've been doing this for 12 years now. Haven't taken a week off. Always have something. Always have extra content. Um, 
the pandemic even couldn't stop us. We found no, stuff to do. We, we did. made episodes. And, you know, I forgot to share it, but one of my favorite things, and now that we're in Film Explosion 93, because this movie was released in 93, and you and I did this quote-unquote campaign to get Last Action Hero on 4K. And it worked. And it worked. <laughs> and what made it great was it was a write-in on Columbia's um, website where they said, hey, what movie do you want to see in 4K? And I was... I was reading it got like 35,000 like responses. So it was super cool um, and that we got it. And we also interviewed a stuntman from Canada who loved the movie too that noticed our campaign and he wanted to talk about Last Action Hero. So I'm just saying we have lots to do there. Anyways, the film explosion, our 10 favorite films, we count them down. Um, 93 was a huge year. I freaking love 93. So good. I had movies on there that I want. There's so many movies that I could put like five through ten. And I was just hoping that somebody put them on our list. And it's only you. So maybe, maybe not. Um, but it's okay because there's so many great movies. We did get a lot of people writing in and we'll share those. And I'm going to say, Brad, I think this is my favorite film explosion logo. Yeah. The Jurassic Park one. It's just cool. I don't know if I'm nostalgic for it or whatever, but it just looks cool. And it's the font. It's the T-Rex skeleton. Yeah, whoever graphic designed uh, the original Jurassic Park did a bang-up job, and I just stole from it. <laughs> well, because, you know, it's one of those things like the Indiana Jones font that as soon as you see it, you know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, Iconic. Yeah, it's uh, so it's very cool. Um, yeah. Did I miss anything? Yeah, as, once again, these are our favorite films, not Critical Darlings. These are what... Some might be. <laughs> yeah. There's a little crossover there, but for the most part, we do this not to make like an Oscars list. It's it's to make a list of the movies that inspired us and keep us uh, entertained after all these years. Yeah, and I think it's... One of my... And you know this about me, is I don't like being really pretentious with my lists. I always have... Some dramas on there because you can't ignore great film. But for me, I like the thrill ride of films. I like the adventures. I like the action movies. Um, If you go to our website, I have my 150 favorite films that I'm working on right now. And you can see there's really no rhyme or reason to my list. I don't usually favor one genre or another. It's just movies that captivate my imagination. And this year specifically really captured my imagination and I was really excited to do this list. I'm so much more excited to do this list than 83. Oh, I yeah. Mean, night Complete and day. Complete 180. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been waiting to do this for a long time. And, yeah, just one of the few lists where I, I, I look at it and go, like, I really want to get this on there, but there's not enough room. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's. I remember um, some inside baseball is Brad makes these great DVDs. And so I send my list to you early so you can – plan them out and uh, make the uh, Blu-ray and in 83 I'm like okay I got 10 films Woo! <laughs> in 93 I think I started with 36 where I said you know what I've seen these a lot of times I love these movies and I, to whittle it down was really hard but I made it the films I like the most or yeah the films I like the most or my 10th I, I learned this from James that I have a ringer and just because I wanted to talk about it because it's so fucking batshit crazy. So we're going to trade off. Brad's going first with the uh, T-Rex footprint. Um, 
So Brad's going to introduce his 10th film. We're going to play the trailer. Then Brad's going to talk about why it made his list. Brad, kick off Film Explosion 93. Uh, so, yeah, my number 10 is maybe actually the best movie of the year. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to put it at number 10. Sorry. I see that it had a certain panache. That's what I'm good at. Not the work, not the work. The presentation. Kielbasa sausage, cheeses, beluga caviar. And of course, who could live without German cigarettes? As many as you can find. It's more fresh fruit. The real rarities, oranges, lemons, pineapples. And in several boxes of Cuban cigars, the best. And dark unsweetened chocolate, not in the shape of lady fingers. Chunk of chocolate, big as my hands. You sample those wine tastings. Nine hundred, no, make it ten for Wednesday. And all this stuff here goes to mattresses factory. I lost a worker. I expect to be compensated. He's on the list. Yes. Well, let's find him. Stern. 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 It's hard, Stern. Stop the train. He's here. Stop the train! Stop the train! I woke up from a dream this morning. I was broke and sharing a room with 12 people I didn't know. Who will want to start, huh? Do you have any questions, sir? Yeah, why is top down? I'm fucking freezing. What's your name? These in your pocket. I have to find every rack. Bury that him. Burn it. The list is alive. All around its margins lies the cup. So yeah, my number 10 is Schindler's List. That's such a great film, Brad. Why the fuck is it so low? <laughs> I already know why, but I want you to say it. Is your answer that it's a quality film, but it's not a fun watch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously one of the best movies of the year, but it's not something I you know wake up Saturday going like, I need to watch Schindler's List again. You want to be tortured for three and a half hours? Yeah, just like be reminded about how awful human beings can be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah um i don't know what else to say about it it's it's a great film quality film got uh, spielberg his first oscar um and an important film very about the holocaust and uh yeah that's my number 10 is schindler's list yeah my number it shows up later on mine of course um 
Obviously, because there's a sweeper and uh, we're the only ones here. Um, yeah, if you haven't listened to a, f- a film session before, uh, it, it made a little more sense when there's more than two people here but uh, <laughs> on the show. But I usually put like little graphic intros to alert my buds that uh, they either swept or they've done a tag team review. And this one was Jack Slater receiving a little countdown <laughs> before a big explosion. I love, too, that he's pill- he's moving the cards. And it, it, the bomb is, like, timed perfectly with how fast he, you know, reveals the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, my number 10, like I said at the top of the show, is a ringer. However, I do really like this movie. And this movie is fucking insane. Tag team review early on. My number 10 and Brad's number nine is Ninja Scroll, which is a totally badass anime. And I put this on here because I remember renting the VHS with uh, my friend Brandon. And I don't know why we got it. I was never an anime person. But because even like the box art isn't like that cool. It might have been when I read the back and it's a ninja versus demons. And I go, okay, I'm on board. Demons, you say? And I remember watching it just being, I've never seen it in animation before. I mean, there's tons of nudity. The violence is super over the top. Very graphic. But the story is still badass. It's literally this guy who goes around killing fucking demons. And each demon is unique. So to me, it feels like uh, like a fighting video game where each level has you know a unique fighter. Boss, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I always remember the scene where um, the big rock demon, Tasai is chasing him, and he gets pissed. And then the super effeminate demon goes, let him go, Tasai. <laughs> and uh, the big rock goes, I'll kill him. Um, yeah, it's awesome, though, because he, the, the hero, Jubei, he also has to learn each of these demons weaknesses because they each have one like the dude didn't go in shadows the snake lady um one dude's made out of stone yeah dude it's uh, it's super cool uh why is it on your list it's one of the first it might be the first anime i saw uh adam introduced it to me and yeah the 
the graphic violence and uh, the animation quality is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, special place in my heart for Ninja Scroll. I haven't seen it in a while, so as you're talking about it, I'm starting to remember things about it. Yeah. But um, definitely a classic. And they, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of like graphic hardcore animes anymore. Like, yeah. Everything's oh, yeah. Like a lot more light and fun. Did they even make a make a sequel to it? They did. There was like a TV series. Really? And I think there was a full movie, but it wasn't on the level of this one. Because I, I was shocked. I mean, I guess I've never looked. Because to me, it seems... So if I knew about it and you knew about it, um, it seems that everyone knows what Ninja Scroll is. Um, was a, there's a point in the 90s where manga, like uh, distributed anime, mm-hmm. like all the hardcore animes... Um, and so like this and ghost in the shell, like it was part of this yeah. collection of just, uh, stuff we hadn't been exposed to before. Yeah. You know, but this is so much more visceral. Like I, I think ghost in the shell is a great movie, but this is like so much more visceral. And, um, and I, I try to convey this to Corinne because she's always trying to get me to watch anime and I was supposed to see one with her this week, but I just got, my wife was in New York. I was too all over the place. And I try to tell her, this is the kind of anime that I like. And then I realized that there's not very many like it. Um, I do like, I, I remember getting this on VHS and then going to Suncoast and getting the Street Fighter 2 one. And that one was cool. Um, but after that, I kind of just stopped watching them. Vamp- Vampire Hunter D, which I know was on one of your lists earlier. Yeah, Bloodlust. Um, yeah, it came out in like 2001. But I think I saw that with you and Adam. I remember being in like his basement and watching it. Yeah, um, and see that's the kind of anime I like. Like, there's a little more sinisterness to it, a little more mature. Yeah, and uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel in the '90s, they had like an anime Saturday morning. I got yeah. to see stuff like Demon City Shinjuku. Uh, Adam knew about this one called Wicked City, which is way more like gnarlier than this, but like really? in a sci-fi urban thing. And um, uh, yeah, we finally tracked it down. At like they had the VHS at Suncoast for like you know thirty, forty bucks. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, that's badass too. Yeah, yeah no, you just see, see stuff like a woman have sex with a dude and then transform into a giant spider with like a j- vagina with teeth. Type yeah, thing. it's um, it must have been an early '90s thing with this kind of anime, um, but that's the kind I like because it shocks me in a good way though. Like I, I love, like I said, it reminds me of because I love Mortal Kombat. It reminds me of Mortal Kombat. Each, you know, you have to fight someone else, and they all have specific powers and. Um, I'd be interested. I do have the Blu-ray. I don't remember if I if it has special features, but I'd be curious to see what their inspiration for it was. Yeah, yeah. I still only have it on DVD, and yeah, you were saying you found the Blu-ray and it looks great, so yeah, track that down. Yeah, you should. Man, this is weird. My number nine is I don't remember. Hang on. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> yeah, just like oh, so this stars my favorite actor, um, and it's a little more lighthearted. But he gets to inhabit five different roles. Oscar nominee Robert Downey Jr. and an all-star cast, including Charles Grodin. I'll fail. I'm telling you, I always fail. Kara Sedgwick. You're so afraid of being hurt. You're going to end up all alone. Elizabeth Shue. Anytime things get remotely serious, you start, I don't know, wiggling around. Tom Sizemore. I'm a professional, all right? And Academy Award nominees David Paymer. Let's go, dead people. And Alfre Woodard. I am so proud of you. Heart and Souls on videocassette. 
I'll tell you what, I'll give you a little preview. Critics call it the best movie of the year. I'm gonna walk like a man and the best comedy of the year. A magical fantasy, an absolute joy, funny, powerful, uplifting. Every moment is magic. Robert Downey Jr. gives an Oscar-caliber performance. Look, this is all very illuminating, all this business mumbo-jumbo, but uh, basically, who gives a when there's a beautiful dish like you in the room. And NBC TV calls Heart and Souls an instant classic. You're supposed to use him as a vehicle. And if he won't do it, you enter his body and you make him do it. Heart and Souls on video cassette. Uh, my number nine is Heart and Souls. Um, Robert Downey Jr. plays a man who was born while a bus accident happened and it killed people on board they come back as ghosts and he has to finish their um what you call it the one thing they have to finish um you know one person wants to sing in front of people um there's a woman who wants to see her child again um but what's really it's like a really fun light-hearted movie uh it's funny it's cool to see robert downey jr be who he is and be able to play five different roles um him included so it's his character and then the four other people and yeah it's just a lot of fun it's a it's a fun movie and it's cute and people should see it is it it doesn't seem like something you've seen i remember seeing the the trailers for it at a as a kid like on television and obviously the trailer here came and get like a full theatrical one on i know that's internet. crazy i love how they edit out shit too <laughs> Yeah, I can only find the video cassette version, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it looks fun. No, no, it's a fun movie. Um, yeah, Heart and Souls, my number nine. Brad, number eight. My number eight is an epic that uh, I watched quite a bit as a kid. I've done my share. We all have. We ain't going to win this war. I led a soldier's life. I've never seen anything as brutally clear as this. This town is of no military significance whatsoever, General. If we hold this ridge for a couple hours, we can keep them away. Well, the boys are ready for a brawl, no doubt of that. I left my spectacles over there. What is the name of this town? If you're gonna fight alongside us, there's a few things I want you to know. This regiment was formed last summer. There were a thousand of us then. There are less than 300 of us now. They were farmers and school teachers. We are an army out to set other men free. Gentlemen and laborers. Virginia is not about to let itself be ruled by some president in Washington. Those boys in blue, they never quite seem the enemy. I know. They came from Maine and Texas. We cannot retreat. We cannot withdraw. From New York, and Virginia. No 15,000 men ever made can take that bridge. This war goes on and on, and the price gets ever higher. I want this to be the final battle. A conflict that turned neighbor against neighbor. Old friends off to war. Friend against friend. See in hell, Billy Yank. See in hell, Johnny Red.
soldiers. War made them brothers. Courage made them heroes. Gettysburg, based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Killer Angels. And does it matter after all who wins? Was that ever really the question? Yeah, my number eight is Gettysburg. That um, was one of those movies that I was like, someone please put it on their <laughs> list, please. Yeah, uh, as a kid, my dad uh, built out our basement into a, a mini movie theater. And on Laserdisc, this is the movie he bought to like sh- brag to the sound system oh, to everyone, nice. show, like show it off. So how many Laserdiscs was it? <laughs> I think it was three discs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's And... It's Laserdisc, so you had to flip it. So it's almost like having five, four and a half discs. So it's basically four reels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I w- watched this movie a couple times in five parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's um, it's incredible. Uh, probably the best movie about the Civil War I can think of. Um, goes into tremendous... Sir Lincoln, yeah. Mm, yeah, good call. Um, it goes into tremendous detail about mm-hmm. uh, what um, very specifically... They were fighting about um, and uh, showing the fact that uh, a lot of times um, people from the same family were on either side mm-hmm. of, you know, north or south, and they fought each other uh, to the death. And, um, you know, the, the movie just does a great job of showing what's at stake and how the people in charge are thinking and how they're like, showing their strategies of what they uh, are going to do in the bloodiest uh, battle in America on American soil uh, in history. So. Yeah, you know the trailer has that little clip of Jeff Daniels' speech where he's talking to all his men that have been decimated, and then he talks to um, the guys that were going to abandon, and he says, "You know, you can fight or not, or what, whatever you're going to do." But um, I just love that moment. And as a trailer was going, you mentioned the score. I'm like, yeah, this movie is freaking awesome. Uh, just listen to that score in the trailer. Like I, I I'm, at, I'm looking at it like, is that CD in my collection? I can't remember. Cause it better be. Yeah. It, it's just, it's so inspiring. I know you, you show it and you're like, man, I need to see that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. And it's definitely one of those movies that I, I enjoy watching every time. I mean, not for the carnage and what happened, but yeah, just um, the, the whole picture is just really well done. Every time I, I like, oh, I, I didn't think about the fact that it's four hours long. I just put it in and immediately I, I'm like, oh, do I really have four hours for this? And within like 30 minutes, I'm just sucked into it. <laughs> and like I've wasted a whole day just watching it. Yeah. Um, it's, um... Yeah. And there's that, yeah, that heartbreaking part where Pickett you know, shows up to Lee's like, uh, Lee's like, Pickett, send your men around. He's like, I have no men. Yeah. Like, he's got wiped out. It's uh yeah, I mean, the Civil War is just so brutal that, and you don't sometimes know the scope of it. I mean, the trailer tells you, you know, 50,000 men died in three days. That's that's kind of incomprehensible, you know? Yep. All Americans, well, Americans and traitors. <laughs> totally. Ryan, what's your number eight? Um, keeping with the very serious theme. No, I actually think 93 has two action films that are really great and way ahead of their time and aren't appreciated until later on. Um, And my number eight is this one. At the end of a century, 
ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi. From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. My number eight is the sci-fi classic Demolition Man, starring Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is a wrongly accused police officer, and Wesley Snipes is like his mortal enemy in the 90s. They're both sentenced to cry, be cryogenically frozen. And the premise is you can reprogram people's thought process. Um, but when Simon Phoenix escapes, there's only one man that can stop him. Only one man still alive to, who thinks like him. Exactly. So Sylvester <laughs> so Sloan is unthawed. And he's a man out of place. So it takes place in 2032 San Angeles because Los Angeles has been devastated by an earthquake and now they san francisco and los angeles have merged into one anyways this movie is really funny um you know the three seashells is the one people always remember for the bathroom um and taco bell wins the restaurant wars it's the only restaurant available and it's just it's just a funny movie and i remember playing the sega genesis game all the time and uh, it's another nostalgic one that i just grew up loving Remember when every tentpole movie came out with like a brawler video game? Yep. Well, this one was a brawler slash like kind of was like um, Smash TV, whereas a look down and you just mow people down <laughs> with your guns. Um, yeah, it was fun. That was my number eight. Brad, number seven. Uh, for my number seven, if you watch it, you'll have a spadoinkel day. The cold winter of 1874, six men set out on a journey through the Colorado Rockies. They were looking for gold, but what they found was that they were completely lost. Mm. 
I'm Alfred Packer. This is my horse, Leanne. In the tradition of Friday the 13th, part two, and Oklahoma, comes the first intelligent film about cannibalism. <laughs> Gross, Packer! So let's fill so man, we can make him our best friend. We can name him Shannon, Shannon Wilson Bell. We can make him tall, or we can make him not so... I'm shatterproof. There's nothing you can show me. I'm still Santa tall, so you all can blow me. I'm shatterproof. Yeah, my number seven is Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> uh, good pull. An early trauma film by uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, uh, based on loosely based on the uh, legend of Alfred Packer, a Colorado yeah. legend uh, who. Uh, was on a expedition and they got lost in the in the mountains and eventually Alfred ended up eating the uh, people in his party and uh, yeah, there's a musical about that <laughs> from the uh, creators of South Park. Um, it's a ton of fun and it's silly and it's low budget as hell. Yeah, um, but it, what's great about it, just like Orgasmo or anything they do, his humor comes through it no matter what. Um, and and they're those guys, not only Trey Parker and Matt Stone, but the crew they put together, they understand the humor and that's why it works. Yeah. Uh it's yeah. If you good luck finding it. I think it's only on Blu ray still. Um not sure it's streaming. Although it's Troma, it might be streaming on the Troma Now yeah. app. Uh but yeah, it's a ton of fun. Um and like places like here at the Bug, they've done live shows of it. So uh yeah, it's it's definitely a... a, a worth a watch it's definitely a cult film cult classic yes i remember being in high school and adam introducing us to, to it because i yeah didn't know anything beyond south park and uh yeah this is just a, a blast we quote it all the time hell yeah um yeah what's your seven number uh, ryan uh my number seven is uh one of the premier action films from this year i came home there was a man in my house <laughs> had an artificial arm. Are you saying that I killed my wife? Are you saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her? gentlemen listen up we have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes average foot speed over uneven ground barring injury is four miles an hour that will give you a radius of six miles what i want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station residence warehouse farmhouse hen house outhouse or dog house in this area Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles.
fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. <laughs> I swept someone. Who could it be? <laughs> My number seven is The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, one of the most iconic action movies from 1993. What I love about this film is there. It, there's the intrigue behind it, of course, the mystery of the one-armed man. But also, it has this like propelling force behind it constantly where... Harrison Ford is trying to constantly outsmart Tommy Lee Jones and Tommy Lee Jones is such a good agent that he's kind of right there. And so there's this cat and mouse game that is constantly going on throughout the film. And I mean, it's so iconic that, I mean, there's so many movies, TV shows, cartoons that have done the plunge off of, um, from the sewer pipe into the water and, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just can't say enough about how iconic it is and how entertaining the movie is. I will later. <laughs> Perfect. Brad, number six. Uh, my number six is also a great mystery. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. <laughs> now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. Yeah, another tag team review. My yeah. number uh, six, was it? Yeah. Yep. Is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm your number five? Uh, my number six too. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, it's same weird when there's only two of us. <laughs> I know. I'm just totally thrown off by the <laughs> arrangement of this thing. Uh, yeah, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, the only animated feature based on the iconic '90s Batman animated series. Um, I didn't appreciate it in 1993. Like I was thrown mm. off. Like I had a very linear. Didn't understand Hollywood, where. Uh, you know, I, I got Batman, Batman Returns, live action stuff. And then Christmas 93, suddenly there's this animated feature in theaters. Um, didn't see a ton of trailers for it. Didn't understand, like, is this the third Batman? Like, I don't understand what's going on. Um, and then there's, like, I think there's promos for Batman Forever uh, ahead of that, like, kind of around the same time. Yeah, and it came out on Christmas. A weird time. Yeah. I'm used to seeing Batman movies in the summer. So, yeah, just kind of got lost. Um, I'm probably... 11 years old yeah 12 yeah, i'm 12. 12 okay yeah 11 um so yeah um yeah and later on obviously it grew on me um you know as a kid like batman's having this like romance with this uh i forget the character's name but uh spoiler alert uh, is actually the villain what um and the joker's kind of not the main uh, adversary no. um 
but with the movie they're they're able to take it a little further than you know the was it fox kids back then the after school uh, block well, it, it actually debuted in um prime time really? um, yeah uh the animated series and the name you're looking for is Andrea Beaumont. Mm, um, yes. What I loved about this movie and if anyone's listened to this podcast or have known me for since Batman, the animated series came out, it is like one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Hands down. I love everything about it. I love the self-contained stories that it usually told. I mean, there's a couple two parters. I think there's one three parter in it, but even this is the, it's a self-contained story and it, there's a great mystery behind who the phantasm is. And by letting someone get close to Bruce Wayne and the ties to Bruce Wayne and Batman. And um, it's just so well done. When I think of Batman now, everything measures in my opinion to this animated series, not just this movie. Um, so I always look through it through that lens because I think it is the best portrayal of Batman. I think it's the best showcase for his villains. Um, it introduced the world to Harley Quinn, whom I adore. Um, Phantasms introduced. Uh, I mean, and it gives characters that are kind of forgotten about, you know, more more to do, whether it's Killer Croc or the Ventriloquist. Um, there's even, you know, one where Bruce Wayne loses his memory and he's like on Skid Row and or uh, on the chain gang. And um, there's just so much to the thing. And so that there's an animated film behind it, I, I love. And so, yeah, it's just a culmination of why I love that show. And the story is really cool. Yeah, it's a shame they didn't do more. Uh, theatrical release, release releases like this. Obviously, they did some straight to video stuff. Yeah, the the uh, Sub Zero Mister Freeze one's pretty good. Um, I mean, I love Return of the Joker, even though that's Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. um, but I still call can't call it the same like universe. Um, but yeah, no. So I, of course, this was going to be on my list. It'd probably been a lot higher if there wasn't so many great movies this oh, year. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yep. So Brad, number five. All right, don't hate me. A great classic comes to the screen. Take thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? To be or not to be? Not to be. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero. Jack Slater. Slater! Don't even think it, Slater, you hear me? This is the Lieutenant Governor. Slater, here's what I do. The Governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. <laughs> Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket. It's a passport to another world. Will get Danny closer to the action. <laughs> than anyone ever dreamed. Holy cow! I'm in the movie! Who the hell are you? Oh, show me. I'm Danny Madigan. I'm a kid. And you're going with him. Who is this sport? And where is that smile on his face? I don't even know this kid. To a world that's bigger than life. This ticket 
It's magic, and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are in there. I've seen it. On screen. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Have a nice day. Have him killed. This summer, it's head-on thrills. I have killed people smarter and younger than you. Head-first excitement. I hate when it happens. He's got the ticket! Now I possess power. Real power. He's going over my world! In this world, the bad guys can win! The door must still be open, come on! If I go, how do I get back? And it's coming at you from both sides of the screen. Where am I now? This isn't the movies anymore, Jack. Please be careful, things were different here. Damn it, it hurts! Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. No! This hero stuff has its limits. And Jack Slater is... Everybody down! The last action hero. The big ticket for 93. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? Yep, my number five is last action hero. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Are you working with Leo DeFarts? <laughs> I am not. Uh, yeah. Uh, another underappreciated film from 93. I, I think it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's most underappreciated film. Yeah. I don't uh, think people got it. Uh, written by Shane Black. Um, it's uh, He is a he's Jack Slater, part of this uh, movie franchise that uh, I forget the kid's name. Danny. Danny uh, is a fan of. Uh, Danny is friends with a projectionist at a really cool theater in New York. Um, that I'm pretty sure doesn't exist anymore. Of course not. Um, and so Danny, uh, gets to get a sneak preview of Jack Slater four. And the projectionist has a movie ticket from Houdini. Um, which I think mathematically lines up. Yeah. He's old enough to have it. Yeah. Um, but the projectionist doesn't know what the ticket is magic. He just gives it to, uh, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, some kind of like symbolic, symbolic, like welcome to the movie, Danny. Yeah. Um, but it has magic powers and it sends Danny into the movie, Jack Slater four. And so, uh, Danny has to figure out how to get out. Meanwhile, convincing Jack Slater that he's a movie character. Um, and his life is not real life. And meanwhile, his adversary, um, Benedict, Benedict, uh, finds out that he is also in a movie and then turns the tables on everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a great meta movie about, um Hollywood and uh the end has a bunch of cameos by like Van Damme. Yep. Um Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> yeah. Animated cartoon cat. Ian McKellen plays uh Death at the end. Uh yeah, the has all the cliches of uh you know, like the the, the angry uh police captain uh-huh. uh for He's in two of my movies uh in this list as a captain. Mm. <laughs> uh yeah, the the Los Angeles police uh, office is the crazy futuristic uh, hyper stylized version of uh, much like Demolition Man mm-hmm. uh, police work. Uh, 
that Hollywood is kind of present at that time. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, like a great uh, look at action movies uh, and meta commentary on it. And uh, obviously was a huge flop uh, for everyone involved at that time. But all these years later, um, it was the most requested 4K release on Sony's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and people had poll. to write it in. Yep. So. Finally, people caught up to my taste in film. Totally. Um, I'll talk about it. In, a, in two entries. Um, my number five... Ah, oh man. Is the mother of all sequels. On October 17th, the brave Americans who came here to free our hostages... ...became hostages. Now... The President of the United States... The president has nowhere to turn except to the one man. Get me Topper Harley. Who has the courage and the guts to get the job done. 20th Century Fox presents Hot Shots. Part Dieu. Last time. There he is! He did it out of patriotism. This time. It's gonna be personal. Of all the missions, you had to come walking into this one. The sequel, I had to come. Charlie Sheen as Topper Harley. <laughs> He's a man torn between the woman who wants him. I'm putty in your hands. In my hands, nothing turns to putty. And the woman who left him. Do you have any idea what would happen if you stay here with me? Sex. I would pleasure you at any time in any place for as long as you could possibly desire. Lloyd Bridges as the President of the United States. I remember eating that. Valeria Galino as Ramada. Kiss me like you've never kissed me before. Richard Crenna as Colonel Walters. Now that's a hell of a gun. And Saddam Hussein, as you've never seen him before. Hot Shots. Part Dieu. Directed by Jim Abrams. Keeps going and going and going. Yes. War. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, my number uh, five is the cinematic classic Hot Shots Part Duh. Um, Topper Harley is back, but he is convinced to come out of retirement at a monastery by Richard Crenna, reprising his role basically from Rambo. Um, but it also uh, lampoons a lot of action movies. The first Hot Shots was more of a Top Gun uh, parody. This one is Rambo. Um, uh, what's uh, the Van Damme one where they're fighting and they're dipping their hands in glass and stuff? Uh, it's probably Bloodsport. Kick, Kickboxer or Bloodsport. So they also make fun of that. But in this, he dips his hand in uh, caramel and it's gummy bears and sprinkles. <laughs> it's just, it's so silly. My wife fucking hates these movies. I have another one on here. That I quote all the time that I think needs to be seen by more people. In fact, I'm surprised there's like uh, import versions of Hot Shots on Blu-ray. It's not on Blu-ray. It seems like a perfect double like bill for Shout Select where it's just totally silly. And you put one and two on the same exactly. package. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, but Charlie Sheen's really funny in it. Um, I always it has my favorite stupid line in any movie of all time, and I've said it many times. But I'm going to say it again because it's now I can put it on a film explosion list. Is Tabor Harley sitting on an airplane and he's reading a book, and Ryan Stiles plays like a guy who's in his like group, and he comes over the, to him. He the says, "Improv guy." Yeah. Oh. And he says, "Hey man, what are you reading?" And he says, "Great expectations." Is it any good? It's not all I hoped for. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. And I laugh so hard every time it happened. And I sh- showed my kid this movie like two weeks ago. And my wife was watching it too. And I could not stop laughing. And she just says, that's really stupid. And I said, I know. And it's funny. And that's why I love this movie. Um, yeah. So my number five is Hot Shots Part Duh. The mother of all sequels. There's a part in it where he's killing all these people. And there's a body count. And then it's like more than Total Recall, more than Rambo. Then it's the bloodiest movie ever, <laughs> even though there's no blood. <laughs> it's still funny. Brad, number four. My number four is the most faithful, most accurate video game ab- adaptation ever made. They're brothers. They're plumbers. Oh no! Luigi! They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite. It's incredible! That gives anyone who possesses it the power. Rule the universe. Get me the rock! Come and get it, lizard breath! Now, they must rescue the princess. Luigi! Alien species escaping. And make it safely back. Later, alligator. To our world. Are you alright? Before time runs out. Brothers, this ain't no game. So yeah, my number four is the cinematic masterpiece, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Um, used to be the only Mario Brothers movie up until a couple months ago. Um, and I think it's a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely not uh, faithful to the game. Uh, it definitely not what you'd expect to see made. But again, this is 1993. Um, couldn't just make a CGI whatever you want at the time. Um it's funny though they a lot of the advertisements did say like mind blowing special effects because of all the disintegration things mm-hmm. that are going on and they had like the animatronic Yoshi, um, and yeah the only thing stopping it from being the hit of the summer was Jurassic Park that crushed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not what stopped it. Uh, I, I I still cannot believe you like this film. This film is so bad. It's so much fun. No, it's not. There, I just re- I recently read an interview with John Leguizamo, and he said him and Bob Hopkins would get drunk before every take, uh, and because the directors treated people like shit, and that the script was garbage, so they're like, "Fuck it, let's just get drunk." 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the production wasn't problematic when they made it. <laughs> um, it has two directors, ton of script rewrites. Um, but, but this is your chance, Brad, to defend it. Uh, the undefensible. You're 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 defending Adolf Hitler right now. Whoa, that is a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a cinematic. It's not that bad. It is horrible. I've gone to late night screenings of it, and there's a huge crowd for it, so I'm not the only one. Um, but do you think they're going to be ironic? Oh, definitely ironic. Um, because I remember we watched this recently because, um, well, three years ago for the pandemic for one of our retro uh, movies. Yes. And I was, it was just torture. I, I just, it's the one movie you love that I just never could understand. I think it's just because you love the game more than I do. <laughs> like, I love the game, but I'm not, like, beholden to it. Like I said. No, it doesn't have to be beholden to the game, but, like, I, I like Mortal Kombat the 2021 movie and that's loosely based on the game. Uh, yeah. There's not even a tournament in it. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, I think they got really creative with, uh, you know, like every year I do the 48 and, and, and this, and this is, and this is better than last action hero and Schindler's list. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Way better than Schindler's <laughs> list. Like Oscar time shouldn't even been nominated. Um, no, I, 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 I think, uh, given what they had to work with at the time, is a, a really fascinating outcome of uh you know ha- like create an alternate universe and i'm still bummed to this day that i don't know why daisy comes back at the end uh when she says you're not going to believe this and tries to get mario and luigi to come back to mushroom land with her um yeah it, it's it's just a weird uh how about you write that script brad someone did a comic books series of it i think did they really um i don't think we ever got it in colorado but yeah someone did like a comic book sequel to it which i I want to track down. Um, but uh, yeah, like all the advertisements came out. It looks so cool. Like the logo still looks the best. I don't know if you've seen like DVD and Blu-ray art of it since the VHS. And it's always like this knockoff font. And I, I know they don't care. <laughs> um, and I'm really surprised that given how successful the new movie is this year, they haven't tried to milk it and put out a Blu-ray. Um, I have a feeling that it might show up. And the reason I say that is Kino Lorber signed a deal with Disney to release Blu-rays. And this one seems, because it's technically Disney, it's Touchstone, right? Yeah, oh, Hollywood Pictures. Or Hollywood Pictures. Yeah. Um, It seems like one that Kino Lorber would put out. It'd be dumb not to. Like, I I did import a Blu-ray from Australia (laughs) for it, so whenever I get a region-free player, I'll enjoy it again. But um, Oh, it's locked? Sometimes the Australian ones aren't locked. Yeah, the one I got is Region B, so specifically, mm. like, I guess that's England. Uh, but I got it from an Australian company. Um, but uh, I also have, like, the someone released a, um, like, the director's cut version of it as a file. I put that on a Blu-ray for myself, but I want, like, something that looks good on my shelf mm. with the original box art. and Maybe yeah, one day. You know, I, I'd read Game Pros, and i flip through, and you see the poster, and it looks mm-hmm. so cool. Um, and I didn't get to see it. No, I did, I did get to see it in the theater. It was one of those things like my parents just delayed taking me to it. And mm. I think just one night I got lucky and they're like, cool. I saw it at the dollar theaters in Arvada. Mm. And maybe that's why you'd enjoy it. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is the, the first right two movies I remember seeing. No, that's not right. But some of the memories I remember from 93 specifically is seeing Jason goes to hell at the dollar theater and this at the dollar theater two movies you hate yeah um yeah even, it might be the theater uh yeah it's um yeah 
But you know what's funny is like this film and like Jason Goes to Hell, I always rewatch them. And I hope that maybe when I watch it one more time, that'll change my mind. And that hasn't happened yet. Maybe when we sit down and watch it together, you'll be like, see this part. This is why I love it. And then, um, I don't know. Uh, look, yeah, here's an Easter egg. Here's an Easter egg. Not unlike the new movie that came out. <laughs> but the new movie's fun and really well made. Anywho. Your number four? Uh, my number four is Brad's number 10. I mean, remember, he, he picked Schindler's List as not a good movie as Super Mario. Mario Brothers, fun. Schindler's List, not fun. <laughs> um, Schindler's List is one of the best movies um, ever. Um, but just like you, I have a heart. I watch it maybe once every five years. And every time I watch it, I'm engrossed. The performances are incredible. And then I'm done watching it and I'm depressed. <laughs> so um, that's why it's not higher on my, I mean, it's kind of high on my list, but that's why I have movies ahead of it because I can watch those over and over and over again. It's just hard to watch, but it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it's just a hard watch, but it's a brilliant film. Everybody should see it and everybody should, um, think about how shitty people are after you watch it. Um, yeah, my number four is Schindler's List. Brad, you're number three. My number three is a three. Uh, probably the best uh, threequel of any trilogy of all time. 16th century Japan. Brave men ride into battle. Fighting an evil emperor. With their only hope... A golden scepter that can open the gates of time itself. Now, in their darkest hour, come four brave fighters from another time. Another place. Another species. You were expecting maybe uh, the Adams family? They're back. And they're back in time. Cinema presents Allegorama. The four greatest turtles. Hey, all right. Eh? It's not just a job, it's an adventure. Ever to go down in history. It's just your ordinary uh, time travel equal mass displacement kind of thing. Kids. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Help, I'm a turtle and I can't get up. Yeah, there it is. My number three, obviously, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Sometimes subtitled Turtles in Time. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I actually think it gets a bum rap. Yeah. And it's a really fun movie. It, like, the turtles look great in it. Um, well, it, <laughs> you think so? 
I think I think that like their costumes. It's cool. literally the same costume. They just changed the color of the mask. Whereas the other two movies at least had little nuances to them. Yeah, I I think they look good. Um, maybe it's because I just like the dude in the suits. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to see this one in the theater. I had to I wait for it on VHS. Either. Um, when we were like on a trip to the Seattle or something, um, I bought it like in a grocery store like on the trip. Was this um, one? Did the VHS be? Was it FHE as well? Uh no. It was just a big yellow yeah, case. Yeah, I just remember that. No, yeah, I had, like, yeah, I maybe you're right. The foam f- family home entertainment. It might have been thing. released that way, yeah. But um, yeah, I remember it yellow and... Because I did too. I used to rent movies at the Safeway in Golden. And my mom took me to see Ninja Turtles, the first one in theater. She took me out of school to see it. Um, this one, I had same. I had to wait till it was on video. Yeah. Um, there was a point, uh, I think after two where I didn't think we were going to get a third movie. So I wrote like a th- Roman numeral three on the case of the killer pizzas VHS. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, you're a kid. but yeah, in, in this one, the turtles, uh, uh, find the scepter and they get whisked back into uh, feudal Japan, uh, where this guy Walker is trying to sell arms to the local, uh, emperor. Uh, and the turtles have to stop the emperor from, uh, destroying a local village and everything, um, and then find a way to get back home. Uh, April goes with them. Casey Jones is back, and he hangs out with Splinter at home trying to... Uh, there's a body swap thing where they displace people from that time, so they don't just go back in time, but people from that time go back into modern New York. And it's really fun watching Casey and Splinter try to uh, update uh, these samurai on modern culture. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's fun. Uh, it is the butt of a lot of jokes in all my like turtle social media threads, but but it's okay to have fun. Yeah, it's just fun. Like <laughs> it has just that like '90s silly comedy vibe. Like it's kind of got the same like vibe as like Surf Ninjas and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a good pull. Yeah. Um. So and the act, like it's still incredible that there's martial artists in those animatronics oh, yeah, doing no, I, all that I work. No, no CGI and everything. So, um. Yeah, it always has a special place in my heart, and it's going to obviously be on my list. Yeah. Uh, my number three is uh, a repeat. It's Last Action Hero. Um, Brad knows this. He's known me forever. I've been a champion of this movie forever. Um, I thought it was way ahead of its time. I think it's smarter than most people give it credit for. I think Schwarzenegger is so great in it. He's playing himself, playing a version of himself in a movie, and he also meets the real, quote-unquote, real version of himself at the premiere of this movie. Um, there's there's a subtlety and a greatness in pulling that off and knowing that the joke is this persona that he exemplifies in film and that, that carries over it to him in the real world. And there's some moments in this film that I think... But, Besides, you know, Hamlet with Schwarzenegger. But I always wanted to see the real Jack Slater 3 because in that movie, a a crucial plot point in the film is Jack Slater loses. Like, he might beat the bad guy, but his son is killed in the process. And he also learns when he comes to New York that he's not invincible. And there's this... I think there's so many great moments in this film wrapped in this really silly comedy but um, it's way ahead of its time. Um, people definitely should pick up the Blu-ray HD, Ultra HD. Um, 
yeah, I, I just freaking adore this movie, and I always have. And now that it's, I mean, it's so popular. The blue, uh, the steel book sold out. Um, so that does my heart good. That they they actually reprinted it. It was so popular. Exactly. So it that that does my heart good. That it's so popular that people not only wrote in, but they did put their money where their mouth was and they bought the movie. So um, yeah, I freaking love this film. Uh, Last Action Hero and. Um, I, I love like the little subtle jokes, and I just mentioned that you know I love in Hot Shots Part Two, and this one I, I love when they're at the Blockbuster Video, and Danny says, "Look at her, she's way too attractive to be working at Blockbuster Video," and um, he goes, and Schwarzenegger says, "I agree, she should be working for us, undercover, of course." <laughs> it's just it's so silly and so awesome. It has that um, great standee where Stallone is uh, Terminator. Yeah, too. what are you talking about? This is best role it's just wonderful um yeah seek out last action hero if you haven't seen it it's brilliant uh my number two is another repeat it's the fugitive nice um yeah like you said before love the mystery behind it i love seeing a character that's actually doing detective work and he's a doctor so he's not supposed to be doing detective work but he has to um whereas a, like a, a lot of mystery movies these days they just go to a person and they talk to that person yeah. to find out information um and richard kimball's just like no i'm just gonna you know sneak around and poke and prod and uh get back into the hospital to get records and everything um and then yeah the time lee jones just is always on his heels um, yeah like i said there's a propulsion to the film where you know uh dr kimball is trying to figure out who really killed his wife because he's the only one who knows no one believes him but then you have Tommy lee jones doing his job and it's this clash of trying to solve the mystery and Tommy Lee Jones trying to catch the fugitive. It, I, I freaking it, it's brilliant. Yeah, Kimball has like almost no downtime. Like he constantly yeah. has to be on the move because Tommy Lee Jones is right there behind him. Like there's that yeah. great part where there's like in the middle of the movie where Tommy Lee Jones finally kind of loses the scent of him. Um, and they pick yes. up like an audio call, and that's yeah. So it's a very brief moment where he's just like at a loss of like I don't know how to track this guy down anymore. And then he gets right back on the case, and yeah. it's great. That's right. Fuck. Um, I should and, watch that tonight. Yeah, and then like finding out the mystery of like, like why his wife was really killed and how it's tied into this thing. Like Provastic is actually like a, um, like I've seen that like a product in other movies. Like, yeah. Actually, um, I think it's um in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. It's like Provastic Labs or something. Yeah. Uh. So uh. Yeah. The The Fugitive, a great. And it's like one of the first like adult movies, not like adult movies, but like. I know what you mean. Like, yeah, like mature, mature. Mo- movies that I uh, <laughs> watched as a kid that was like, um, yeah, captured my attention. So, uh, yeah, my number two is The Fugitive. So my number two might surprise some people. Um, this f- movie I rented so many times at Blockbuster. When I finally had money to buy it on VHS, I bought it. I have the DVD. It does not exist on Blu-ray. And there's so many great actors in it and it's a brilliant fucking movie. Uh, this is my number two. What's wrong? Nothing. National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. From out of the night comes two men with enough courage. 
enough brains. What you got, Irv? Dandruff, seborrhea, maybe just dry, itchy scale. Have you tried this? I use it. Head and shoulders? Enough bullets. I know what you're thinking, punk. Did he fire 173 times or 174? To get the job done. Hey, Scotty! Can you get this machine to work? I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. If I push it any harder, the whole thing will blow. New Line Cinema presents... The Cop Movie to End All Cop Movies. Give me a name. Are your parents supposed to do that? Hey, hey, Sarge. It's tingling. That means it's working. Do you sleep in the nude? Only when I'm naked. They know never to screw with me. Wilderness Girls. Just a big checkout. Come on, level with me. It's not bad. You'll be fine. You'll be back on your feet in no time. National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. So, this is Mr. Screw with your brain, eat your spleen, wear your flesh as a hairnet leecher, huh? Ah! Look who's Mr. Scaredy Pants now. Ah! I just gotta ask, what does human flesh taste like? Chicken. See it before they make the sequel. Uh, so number two for me is Loaded Weapon 1. I know it has National Lampoons in it, but I think that was just to market it because it has nothing to do with National Lampoons. Um, but it's basically a parody of Lethal Weapon. Um, it stars Milo Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson. And um, <laughs> it's just, there's so many cameos in it. They gave you a few in the trailer, but Bruce Willis is in it. Um, who else? Uh, Charlie Sheen is in it. Uh, there's a really funny scene in it because talk about meta. So Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen are brothers. And there's a part where he's going to, uh, he's trying to disarm this bomb. And John Levitz comes up to me and says, isn't it weird how your brother was doing hot shots and now you're doing this. <laughs> and how he diffuses the bomb as he goes, hey, man, Becker, this one has your name written all over. And he pulls one of the wires and it says Becker and he cuts it and he blows up. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so dumb. But um, my friend Brandon and I watch it all the time. We quote it all the time. Um, there's, it's just it's silly but awesome. Dennis Leary is in it. William Shatner is in it. William Shatner also has one of my favorite lines. He's a drug dealer, and he says, if you wish to do business with me, then half payment is due today, half tomorrow, and half on delivery. And it's just, it's so, like, just little things like that I love in movies. Um, and, yeah, there's, it's just funny. There's a part where there's this torture wall, and it has, like, a mace and a whip, and there's a Howard the Duck video cassette on it, too. And <laughs> It's, you have to see it. It's so funny. It's so silly. Um, and I think it might be on HBO Max right now. Um, it might not be. But um, I keep on hoping that that's another one that will be on Blu-ray someday. Um, but obviously I'm not holding up, <laughs> holding my breath since that's only on DVD. And I think the DVD came out in 
97. It is one of those snap case ones. That's how long ago this has been before it was released on home video. Um, I just noticed Vacation was 83 and then uh, Loaded Weapon, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, 93. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why National Lampoon's is in the title. It's not written by that team? I don't think so. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it, it feels more like a naked gun movie, but national, it's not National Lampoon's Naked Gun. Yeah, it it is like a naked gun movie. It's a little more, um, I don't know how to describe it. Man, the early 90s was like a big spoof time. Um, but yeah, I love the movie. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my number one, do I need to play the trailer? <laughs> uh, you should. I think, uh, I think we both know what we're going for here. Uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. One of the greatest movies of all time. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Senses are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Yep, so there it is. Obviously, my number one, also your number one. Of course. Jurassic Park uh, ushered in a completely new era of filmmaking. Oh, it's... It, it is so astounding, that film. And even watching it... I, I watch it maybe once a year. Um even watching it now, the CGI holds up. And I think it's because Spielberg was so good at integrating the practical effects with the CGI effects and only using the CGI when, you know, the T-Rex is walking or running. Or far away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean... Because there's a lot of close-up practical dinosaurs in it, which is great. I can... I remember seeing this in the theater. My dad um, took us... Because my dad likes movies a lot. Um, but he's not a big I go to the movies type of person, but he loves Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So anything I think Spielberg kind of related, um, he he's on board. So I remember him taking us to the Colorado Continental and we went on the, the really big screen they have there. And I'll never forget, we were right in the middle. My dad was like on the end though. And the it started, I was just immediately transformed and... Um, about 45 minutes in, I look over, my dad's like asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just, I, I can't even tell you how excited, because I love dinosaurs. I think all boys love dinosaurs. And seeing them come to life and seeing this film, and, and not only is the dinosaurs impressive, but I think the characters in it are great too. Um, they each have their little moment. Um, at the beginning where Dr. Grant is explaining to that one kid about how dangerous a, a velociraptor is and how it comes all the way back when the velociraptors show up in the film. I, I 
I think is a stroke of genius. Yeah, and he starts out, you know, being a character who's like, I don't like kids, and then he's forced into the situation where he has to deal with these kids and play the dad and, and save their lives by the end of the movie. Um, yeah, and just a cautionary tale of like how dangerous it is to uh, the line from this is from this right, or it's uh, the the scientists were so were interested in uh, like should they do a thing or you didn't stop to think if you should. Yeah, if you could. You didn't stop to think if you should. Yeah, that is an Ian Malcolm line. Yeah, um, yeah, like a great cautionary t- cautionary tale for science and in, in general. And um, well, yeah, and you even get on his on Ian Malcolm's side too. Where he's really eccentric, but when he's explaining to Doctor Sadler, when you drop water on it, your hand it doesn't always go the same way, and he's telling the audience that just because these animals are in a pen or they're supposedly on display, you can't control them because there is an inherent risk of bringing something that has long died. It's unnatural to bring them back. Um, it, it, the film is freaking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I I love this movie. I, I could, I every time I watch it, it's a lot like uh, Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark for me. Yeah, every time I watch them, I'm totally invested and I totally love them. And I never really think of it as a monster movie, but it's a monster movie. Oh yeah, like there's generally scary scary parts like that whole Velociraptor in the kitchen uh, thing is pretty intense. I remember oh, yeah. being like eleven and just uh, closing my eyes sometimes because uh, it was it was so intense. Um, and I think this is why Spielberg is always going to be my favorite, one of my favorite directors, is because I remember him telling the story about Jaws and um, in, in the original novel, the, the shark drowns. And he tells Peter Benchley and he tells the producers at Universal, he's like, well, that's boring. And he says, I'm going to have, you know, uh, him shooting the tank and it explodes. And I go, well, that's not really what happens. He's like, I don't care. It looks cool. And he does the same thing in here, and he mentions it in the making of Jurassic Park uh, with the Velociraptors. And when he puts his snout up and it goes, and the, like, the steam comes out or the shot of all the computer code on the Velociraptor. I mean, it doesn't really look like that. But what I love about Spielberg is like, it doesn't matter. He knows it looks cool, and he knows that's going to be a cool shot. Yeah, the the part where the jeep goes over the side of the, uh, was it the preserve or something? Um, it's edited in a way that like doesn't make sense, but you forget about it because you're so engrossed in mm-hmm. um, what's going on. Like he's just that good at bringing you into a scene and just yeah. Because he knows what's important. You're right. It's a T Rex paddock. Yeah, paddock. And, and yeah. it's hanging over. And when you watch it, the T Rex just steps over. Does he step over a moat that's there? I don't know. It's never seen, but I'm okay with it because I'm immediately transported into that world. Because, I mean, you think about all the iconic shots, the the water vibrations, or the T-Rex eyes come down and it dilates. Um, I, or even the first part where they, they get on the island and Dr. Sadler's saying, you know, this plant's been extinct for millions of years, and he turns her head and she... And the way he moves the camera and it follows her up, and then you see the wide shot of all the dinosaurs. I mean, I can, I, I still get chills watching that scene. And the music from John Williams is so freaking iconic. Yeah, and so wonderful. Yeah, I I, I love this film. Obviously, classic, all yeah. time great, hundred percent. 
So we did get people writing in. Um, our real nerd mom, Carol, wrote in. Um, and she says the following. Hey, real nerds. We had a great time at the Alamo seeing Guardians 3 the opening weekend. We bought our tickets when they first put them on the schedule. So it was great to see those characters together again. I agree. I said it last week. I think it's the uh, my favorite Guardians movie. Um, 1993 is another year that we, did, we didn't get to the theater much. Most of these movies were part of our Friday movie night tradition at home. I feel like I explained why Schindler's List is not on my list. I have never seen it. When it came out, I was sure that it'd be very well done. I just not bring myself to see it. I knew the true story. And I just couldn't watch it happen. I'm pretty sure it would have been number one. So after listening to this, Carol, you can see that Brad and I also mentioned that it's a great film, but it's a hard watch. If you, I think you should see it, but make sure you're in the right frame because as you mentioned in your opening, yes, it is a hard watch. Um, number 10, The Three Musketeers. It's been a long time since I've seen this, but I remember it's a fun action movie. Almost made my list for the sole fact that Rod Stewart has a number one hit uh, from the film. <laughs> um, number nine, Grumpy Old Men. Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau are great in this story about two old friends and their longstanding grudge. Number eight, Shadowlands. Based on the story of C.S. Lewis and his wife, Joyce, beautifully told, Anthony Hopkins is great as usual. Aw, shit. Number seven, Last Action Hero. We heard about this movie on Real Nerds Podcast. I was surprised at how much fun it turned out to be. Nice. Yes. We did it. We did it. Yeah, another <laughs> another fan. Uh, number six, Groundhog Day. What a clever idea and well done. Lots of great lessons along the way. Bill Murray makes you hate him, then love him. I agree. Uh, number five, Sleepless in Seattle. A classic romantic comedy with, with the best at it, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Number four, Miss Doubtfire. This is wonderful, heartwarming, and a funny story of a man who will do anything to spend time with his children every day. Robin Williams is amazing in this role. So many funny scenes with him as Miss Doubtfire. It has so many iconic scenes in it, too, when you think about it. I mean, obviously, the, the one when he sticks his face in the cake and goes, hello, or when he catches his boobs on fire and he says, talk about hot flashes. You know, I, just, I remember that stuff. Uh, number three, Cool Runnings. This is a Hart family favorite. John Candy was such a fun actor to watch in anything he did. We'll always look for the Jamaican bobsled team at the Winter Olympics. Number two, The Fugitive. When I was 10 to 14, I watched the original TV series with my parents. We loved it. This movie version was so great. Agreed. Uh, number one, Jurassic Park. James was too young to see this, so Rich and Jake went by themselves. Uh-huh. I remember when they got home and said they needed to decompress. The first time I saw this in the theater was was the first time we went to the Alamo Draft House. There was such a, there was much fun with the pre-show with Jeff Goldblum. Recently, I watched a documentary about how it was made. Such an amazing accomplishment. 100% true. If you get the Blu-ray or the Ultra HD, they have this documentary on there. And Stan Winston and his team talk about the T-Rex and getting wet and how they had to keep it dry. It's amazing. Um, and the Jeff Goldblum thing she's talking about is awesome. It's, um, he brings a raptor in to eat people if they uh, talk or text during a movie. It's great. And Kellen loves it too, because, uh, they keep on repeating, uh, 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 don't do that. That's a no, no, that's a no, no. Um, honorable mentions in the line of duty, Dave, the Pelican brief, Benny and June. I have a list of 12 movies that I'm curious to hear if any of them show up on your list and your recommendations. 
Look forward to listening. Love y'all. Carol, James's mom. Nice. Thanks, Carol. Yep. Did you bring up some other stuff? Uh, yeah, my mom actually commented on our Instagram. Uh, oh, yeah. She listed three movies, Tombstone, Gettysburg, and A Bronx Story. Uh, Tombstone is great. I'm glad your mom brought it up because it's another one that I'm like, it could have been on my list. Yeah. Um, but I put Ninja Scroll on there instead. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I've kind of seen A Bronx Story, but I don't remember it. Um, I don't think I actually made it through the whole thing. But, yeah, thanks, Mom. Who else yeah. you got? Um, so... Jake Hart sent us a list. That's right. In 19, for 19 during 1983, but he didn't send us anything, which is cool, but he sent us his 1993 list. He says, "Hey guys, it's Jake Hart again. I hope I'm in time to turn in my 1993 list." "Hey, you're 2 weeks early. We appreciate that." Also, uh sorry I didn't send in a 2022 list, but the problem is I didn't see 10 movies in 2022. Dubious honorable mention, Miss Doubtfire. If I had made this list in 1994, this would have been near the top. I can't quite justify it in 2023 with my 2023 perspective on trans people and adult perspective on adults doing creepy things to be around kids. But Mr. Robin Williams was super hilarious, and the makeup job was mind-blowing at the time. Number 10, The Sandlot, which I mainly remember for the terrifying dog that keeps stealing the kids' balls, but then turns out to be not so bad. I think everybody does. And that's one of those things when you're a kid that sticks with you. And, you know, James Earl Jones's uh, bit in that is fantastic. Uh, number nine, The Fugitive. When you put Harrison Ford character versus a Tommy Lee Jones character in a contest of endurance, you got something. 100% agree. Number eight, Cool Runnings. For most of the 90s, this movie comprised... Everything I knew about Jamaica. Also, John Candy is missed. Number seven, Last Action Hero. A movie about our relationship with movies, a lampoon on all of all the dumb action movie tropes, and a magical adventure in its own right. Agreed. I love that all these people are writing in for Last Action Hero. It makes, it makes my heart do swell. Number six, Groundhog Day. I could swear I've already included Groundhog Day in a film explosion list. This was a really interesting concept at the time, besides being a good comedy. It feels like a trope now because every single sci-fi or fantasy TV show made after Groundhog Day has an episode with a similar premise. Yeah, I noticed that a couple years ago, too, where people were caught in a time loop. Um, number five, Schindler's List. Steven Spielberg does it again with another whimsical tale of adventure. And, oh, wait. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I think we all feel the same way, Jake. Uh, number four, the, uh, Three Musketeers. This is one of the VHS tapes James and I watched a bazillion times in the 90s. My brain thinks that the book by Alexander Dumas should be truer to the source. <laughs> um, number three, Grumpy Old Men. It's like Home Alone, but with old people. Number two, The Nightmare Before Christmas. The first mention of that one. Tim Burton's weird twist on Christmas classics is now a Christmas classic. My wife's favorite movie. Um, number one, Jurassic Park. Duh. Also, you can let Steven Spielberg back in the house. <laughs> uh, side note, Free Willy. This movie was nowhere near being on my list, but I just can't help mentioning it due to one dubious distinction. In our family, when previews got long, we joke about how we don't need to see this the movie now. But Free Willy is the only movie I've ever seen where they give away the actual resolution to the actual climax of the movie in the preview. 
<laughs> specifically the part where the well successfully jumps over the wall to escape. It's featured prominently in the preview. Not only is he right, but it's also on the poster. Remember, the That's poster true. is yeah. the kid like going like this and the uh, the whale jumping over him. Um, Jake, always a great list. Um, we also got a couple write-ins on Facebook that um, I, I had a feeling that this would be a popular episode because this 1993 is uh, such a good year for film. Um, hang on while I scroll. Um JT Trujillo said, always like the Pelican Brief. That's a second mention for the Pelican Brief. Um, I don't remember it well enough to comment one way or another. Yeah, I tried to watch it. It's not very brief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I went there. Good for you. You know, sometimes you just you just need to. Um, Trevor, I'm, I'm not trying to pronounce his name because I just don't want to butcher it. But he also says he never tires of watching Last Action Hero. I'm going to count that as a win for Last Action Hero um, because it's awesome. Um, we also got um, so I I did a I do like so I married an axe murderer. Um, it just didn't make my list, but I got a couple people telling me they love that movie. Um, our friend Devin sent us a list where True Romance. I know that would be on James's list too. I know he loves that movie. Dave, Cool Runnings, The Piano makes a appearance. Um, Miss Doubtfire, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Tombstone, Wayne's World Two. I do like Wayne's World Two, and it's also really silly. Um, so yeah, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas and Dazed and Confused. That's a good list there, Devin. I- I'm down with the movies on your list. I can't believe no one's picked Jason goes to hell. I, I really can't. Uh, Alex actually wrote in uh, falling down. Oh, the yeah. Michael Douglas movie. Uh, you know, I have a friend who freaking loves that movie too. Um, yeah. And then also Romeo is bleeding. Uh, that who is that? Has that, is that Jet Li? No, that's Romeo must die. Okay. Uh, uh, Romeo is bleeding. I don't know what that is. And we're real nerds, I guess. Oops. <laughs> Um, anything else? Uh, no, that's everybody who wrote in. I do yeah. have one last thing though. Zach is supposed to call in his list and he's going to give us little blurbs about his whole list. And we're going to play that for you as long as Zach sent it in. If he did not send it in, then we're going to play the trailer for Wayne's world Two. Hey, real nerds. Sorry. I couldn't be here this week. Uh, work, unfortunately did not look kindly to me on a Saturday. Um, so I'm sorry for work interfering with it. Probably for the best. I've not had the best week of my life. But anywho, uh, I'm here to give you all my top 10 uh, for 1993. Quite a year. Quite a year. A lot of things uh, that, that uh, could have made the list, didn't make the list, narrowly made the list. Um, and uh, some some folks that you may not expect to necessarily be on here are on here. Um, but let's kick it off. So my number 10 is The Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese. 
Um, it's kind of a different Martin Scorsese movie, and uh, it's one that I I don't revisit a lot. It's just not necessarily in my interest points. But it is a very, very well put together historical drama, and I li- I really like watching Scorsese work with scope and doing things that he's not known for. Um, in fact, like so, like the to me the 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 very fact that you're covering this 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 early period of America um and within this context and the way Scorsese portrays New York in such a vastly different way than he would uh do before or after is is quite interesting um like a, a sort of a counterbalance to that um is uh Gangs in New York which takes place 5 years earlier than the plot of Age, Age of Innocence but it's interesting to watch the contrast between those two. I think, uh, and everybody performance-wise is knocking it out of the park. Uh, Winona Ryder's amazing in this movie, um, and then and Daniel Day Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer kill it in their respective roles as the 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 two who are whisked away into a romance. Uh, so yeah, if you if you want to try a Scorsese movie that's a little different, I, I would give this a go. So now my number nine is is uh, I think I think it's a film that a lot of people have seen um, possibly through school because um, that's how, at least that's how I saw it for the first time, which is Swing Kids uh, from 1993, directed by Thomas Carter. Uh, this is a a group of uh, kids living in Nazi Germany um, who engage in listening to swing music, uh, which is banned uh, by the Nazi regime, um, and uh, it's. It's a it's a very brutally honest film about that period that uh, centers itself around youth and really kind of shows you the tightening grip that the Nazi menace had over Germany and consequently what it does to the lives of these kids. Um, it's it's a marvelous drama that I think kind of gets swept under the cracks because it it seems a little bit too uh, schmaltzy uh, and a little bit too. Uh, cheesy in certain regards uh, by some critics, but I've never felt that way. And it's it's one of the two films centered around that terrible period in history that I think like really do a good job of communicating the message of that kind of evil that was presented out in Germany, and unfortunately creeps back into history more often than not than we should than we than we should allow. Um, but yeah, if you are looking for an interesting film about that period in time, Swing Kids is actually a very good choice uh, to to uh, put for, forth before your eyes. Go in with a comfort level, but I think you'll 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 be surprised at how well put together it is. So my number eight now is a little bit uh, more on the lighter side. It is uh, is the one and only Grumpy Old Men. Um, I'm a fan of the geezer exploitation genre, um, which is an unofficial genre that is really just about like coming to terms with your age or going for uh, going going for it, even though you're elderly. And then this this is probably the peak of this genre. It's Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon fighting over uh, Anne Margaret. So you know that you can't go wrong there. Uh, Burgess Meredith is fantastic in this film. Uh, everybody really is fantastic in this film. And I mean, Matthau and Lemon fighting each other under these more slapstick auspices is far 
is far and away the best thing they did in their later lives. Um, and Anne Margaret's just a wonderful in between the two of them uh, character, and she really shows you what she can do as a human, a human character with several different dimensions. She was more of a sex symbol, I guess, in in the era, but she uh, she definitely gets to play a well rounded, interesting character in the film. Um, and I think that everybody in spite of the fact that the song is sung by some people who probably uh, you don't want to listen to anymore because of their beliefs, uh, the, the, the montage of them getting ready for the dates is very funny still to this day. So yeah, uh, Grumpy Old Men from 1993. Go check it out. My number seven is True Romance. Uh, True Romance is uh, peak Tony Scott and peak Quentin Tarantino in some respects. Um, now, granted, this is a script that he wrote early on. This is before he would break out as a director. But, but I think it shows uh, a, a rare instance of where Quentin Tarantino writes the material and the director is up to the challenge. Uh, the only other person who's able to do it is Robert Rodriguez because Oliver Stone clearly didn't know what to do with Natural Born Killers. Uh, but True Romance and the the story of Clarence in Alabama, I think, is a is a very good pulpy crime story. Uh, it's just it just moves at a clip. Um, it it plays around with time in its own respects, even though it's not the real cut necessarily. Um, but yeah, if you if you have not watched it and you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, True Romance is is definitely something you need to put put into your life um everybody has a standout moment in the film in several different respects christopher walken is incredible in the film um and this is one of the first times you'll see brad pitt working with quentin tarantino dialogue so uh as all as that's to say no one will oversell it anymore just go check it out it's it's been a while since i've personally seen it but it's something that i need to pick back up and something that when i looked at this year i'm like you know i do like true romance and it needs to be on this list so here here it is um and my number six is So I Married an Axe Murderer, which um, extends to my love of Mike Myers. Um, I grew up adoring and worshiping Austin Powers, uh, Wayne's World, and his SNL stuff. And this was a this is one of those examples of a of a Mike Myers movie that doesn't rely strictly on him playing a character. Um, he's got. He's got instances where he plays different parts of his family, but it's very much a romantic comedy where you get to see him be a character on his own right uh, without him having to like build a sketch character. And I think that that's one of the strongest aspects of it for me. Um, and also it's a very intriguing little murder mystery. You never know. Like, like I remember being a kid going like, I, I just assumed that she was clearly the ex murderer and, and you know, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. If you haven't seen it, you'll have to find out. My number five is is the one and only Mel Brooks with Robin Hood Men in Tights. Um, it's such a wonderful treat of a movie. It's not asking for anything higher than to entertain you, and it completely succeeds at that. Um, you know, it, it's it's easy to say that the '90s for for uh, Mel Brooks are not the strongest period, and that they're filled with lesser efforts. But I think each Mel Brooks movie has something to contribute to the comedy landscape, and and I think Robin Hood Men and Tights certainly succeeds at it. Uh, uh, Richard Lewis uh, as as Prince John is absolutely hilarious is the mole thing where he keeps switching on his face and um and he's just he's a smoothie um and uh carrie Elwes uh is the perfect choice to play a robin hood in any aspect comedic or dramatic um and it's i think it just has this beautiful 
like if you're talking about the difference between this and Dracula Dead and loving it, I guess technically this is the better last gasp of Mel Brooks's genius. But I think both of them have their merits. And this one, I think, does a great job at homaging the Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, and the 1990, uh, uh, 90s effort with Kevin Costner. So if you have not seen this film and you need a good laugh in your life, you need to check out Robin Hood, Menly Men, Men in Tights. My number four is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, I remember watching this as a kid and not being incredibly thrilled by it. Um, I don't know why, uh, but I got but I, I got older and I picked it back up thanks to The Dark Knight being released in 2008. And so I grasped onto as much Batman as I could, including the animated series, really for the first time since I was a kid. Uh, and this film worked way better for me as an adult, um, which I think is fair uh, a fair assessment because it is very much an adult-driven story. Um, and I think that the Joker, played by Mark Hamill, nails it every time he plays that character. In this one, in particular, he has this wonderful moment in the middle of the film. In the middle of the film, where he's talking to I can't remember specifically, but it's one of the guys, and he goes. Uh, what a photo op, the councilman and his wacky pal. And it's just the way he delivers that line that I'm just like, that is the Joker. That 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 screams the Joker for me. So, yeah, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, should have had better reception when it came out, uh, given the Batman love that was out there. But it's amazing that one got theatrically re- released the way it did. And uh, you got to give him props for, for at least getting it out there, period, regardless of its reception then uh, it's it's amazing that an animated batman movie got that kind of release in 93 so my number 3 though is army of darkness which uh i i i messed up uh because i put this on my 92 list as well but it also means that army of darkness has gone up a slot so um i think that this film only gets on this list is because of my friendship with ryan and the fact that He's made me love going back to these movies year after year. Uh, and Army of Darkness is certainly the most fun one. It's the one that I want to show my girlfriend as soon as possible because um, she may not be into the other Evil Dead movies for the gore stuff. Um, and uh, and it's just a fun, delightful Ray Harryhausen tribute. It's just utterly fantastic, and it's so quotable. Um, ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Is is such a hilarious delivery by Bruce Campbell. It just it kills me every time. So yeah, uh, Army of Darkness. I'm sure Ryan will have better things to say about it than I do, uh, like, like more eloquent. Um, my number two is Jurassic Park. Um, uh, which is, if anybody has never heard of Jurassic Park, it's the incredible story of a billionaire who fucks up everything by making dinosaurs happen again. Um, so naturally, a billionaire would be that dumb and that stupid. Uh, and uh, but but thankfully, there are some scientists to save whatever's left of humanity on that little park that he's trying to develop. I mean, no, no, it's it's. It's it's one of the premier special effects extravaganzas. It's a solid horror movie as well too. I mean, it's a it's a delightful horror picture, uh, and I think that some of the most suspenseful sequences of the '90s come out of Jurassic Park movies done by Steven Spielberg, because it's this and the opening scene from Lost World, um, and uh, and I think every performance is just right out the bat amazing. Like this is, I mean, this may be Wayne Knight's best performance in a movie. Uh, and you've got, uh, Richard Attenborough, I kid the billionaire aspect, but Richard Attenborough's character is so fascinating because of how 
fixated he is on making this thing work and just watching him slowly realize that it's a problem. And in a lot of ways, it makes it better if this is the only movie that ever was ever made and that they never made any sequels because his character progression makes better sense. But um, but just watch just watching him as a performer. He's incredible. He's you kind of get a sense of how talented he is by doing this and then going watching something like Chaplin or Gandhi where you're like, man, he's an amazing actor and director. Uh, so yeah, Jurassic Park. And then my number one is another Spielberg movie. It's Schindler's List. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I think like back when we did 98 film explosion, I, I proclaimed that saving private Ryan is probably among my favorite Spielberg films, if not my favorite Spielberg film. But, uh, th- that was like that was 2018 and i've had five years to think about it and it's saving private ryan's definitely up there but i think schindler's list might be my favorite film of his and not because i'm a masochist or and wanting to like torture myself watching a film this depressing i think it's just masterfully executed uh it is a fantastic stroke of elegance on spielberg's part and i think it uh, it's it uh, counteracts the myth that Steven Spielberg sentimentalizes everything. This is the least sentimental movie I have ever seen in my life, uh, and I find it unfair when I read criticisms about this film because it's not to say that like everybody should love this or not. It's more just like I don't think that they give it the proper. Uh, analysis in that respect and i think it's mostly spielberg detractors more than anything else but i've learned through uh re-watching this film uh it's something i've taken close to my heart since i first saw it in my teen years of like how important it is to never forget this moment in history it's just as we were talking about with swing kids um and the the incredible power that permeates throughout the entire picture and uh Liam Neeson's performance which in a lot of ways like was robbed of an Oscar because when he is when when he says I could have saved more like I I dare you to not cry when he's uh when he's expounding that by the end of this very emotional nearly 4 hour journey uh, I I like movies that are this long because they 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 give you a chance to live in the world and feel what the director wants you to feel it's the same way I love the Irishman for that respect is Spielberg and Scorsese both made films about very important subjects, uh, that, that allow their movies to breathe. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to have amidst 90 minute movies and two and a half hour movies. Uh, and, and, and Schindler's list is one of those examples of, you know, I, I will never watch it and take a break. It's all the way through. I just, I, I don't, I don't feel right shutting it off. I feel like it's it's respectful to watch it all the way through and to uh, to experience it the way the director's wanting me to experience it. Um, and and just again, it's it's one of the most imp- I think it's one of the most important movies of the last part of the 20th century, and and certainly a movie that should be just as important in the 21st century if people are willing to, you know, not give in to hate and take a lesson from somebody that somebody that is one of the finest directors that has ever lived on this planet uh i remember seeing it in 20 uh in during the um was i can't remember what year it was it was like the, maybe the 25th anniversary screening uh where they had it in 4k um uh in the theater at the uh, south Glen, and i just i was the only one in the theater and i remember feeling very uh 
a very, I remember feeling very alone, but very, uh, uh, focused. Um, I never really had to get up out of my seat for the three and a half hours. And this is when I was still smoking regular cigarettes. Um, and so I, I was just, I felt like I felt it felt, it felt right to watch it in that respective nature. I wish more people had been there because you'd want people to learn this lesson that we all need to learn and be reminded of. But I'm just glad that it was available to screen in a movie theater because it would definitely uh, uh, benefit a lot of people in the current turbulent times we live in. So yeah, Schindler's List. If you've never heard of it or never seen it, hey, why not find a find a copy digitally or physical and pop it in and watch it? Be prepared for some very heavy subject matter. Be prepared to cry, but be prepared to learn as well. And I think that that's an important thing is movies can entertain like Jurassic Park, but they can also teach like Schindler's List. So yeah, that's my 93 list. I'm sorry again that I couldn't be here, guys, but I all, hope you all have a wonderful week ahead and uh, keep your heads up high. All right. I just picked some random movie from 1993 <laughs> that I really like. Um, I was going to say, you could have picked so many other options, uh, two of which are Van Damme movies that I didn't have on my list, like Hard Target was from this year. I do like Hard Target. I know. It's tough to keep off. Um, Nowhere to Run is the other Van Damme one. Uh, we already talked about Mrs. Doubtfire and Tombstone. Uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, that is it's a good fun one, too. one. Uh It's on someone else's list who may or not ri- may or may not write in. Unlike Dave. most Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. <laughs> He's good. That's in the He's trailer. He's good. <laughs> Uh, Robocop 3 is also terrible in a Super Mario Brothers way, yeah. um, but I still like it. Um, I, I own the collector's edition from Scream Factory, because yeah. I think I, like, I have to. And then uh, Dave is like a forgotten uh, yep. presidential classic yeah. that uh, I it's really enjoyed. It's on a couple people's lists. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Next week is... Um, Fast, Fast X, X, but I, I without the rock in it, I know there's no incentive for you to see it. But it is the tentpole for the week, so so we'll see it. I mean, it has to be better than the last one, right? Sure. <laughs> is is this on? Was was the last one a good one? I don't remember. Uh, remember they had Charlize Theron in like a clear plastic cell, and the whole time I was like, how'd she go to the bathroom? <laughs> Where does she eat? Where does she sleep? Yep. They don't. St- it's interesting when you chart the the evolution of that series, where it started as street racing, and now I don't even know what it's about. Super convoluted, but uh, Brie Larson's in it and Jason Momoa. So yeah, and I I like Brie Larson a lot. See what they add to it. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, just so you know, in a couple months we'll do twenty oh three because so. we got a ton of summer movies to tackle. Yep. So we'll get done with the summer and then we'll have three film explosions back to back to back. Because we have 2003 and then 2013. It's already fucking May. Here it goes by so fast. I know. We got to start finishing our documentary and getting ready for Fan Expo, Expo, which we have a booth for. Maybe a program to do there. We'll see. We'll see if they approve it. I mean, it's going to be interesting if they approve it because it's just called fuck. But it's P-H-U-C-K, so I think we'll be good. Yeah, come listen to us fuck in room 718 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the movies. Bye. I'm telling you all it's a film explosion. Film explosion. 
Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.